to episode 303 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Tom Kennett will be joining us shortly. Alex Jones is here with me now. And Jack Harper, as far as excuses go, is in Club Wembley at the England game. So can't be too critical of him this week. I wouldn't have gone personally, but each to their own. Anyway, plenty to get into this week. We have news of the week, as always. We will talk about the latest disappointment under Gareth Southgate and England. We have BT Sports standout players in the Premier League and whether they are accurate. And then we will talk about Joe Joyce's big knockout win over Joseph Parker on Saturday night. Alex, been a couple of weeks uh, without your appearance. How is it going? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I I do apologise to the listeners if my voice sounds a little bit weaker than usual. Mind you, that might be a blessing for you when it comes to uh, editing (laughs) the race yesterday and I'm a bit shot to pieces. So got that post-race cold coming, I can feel it. So what are you shouting while doing the race? No, no. That seems counterproductive. (laughs) No, no. Well, actually, phases of the race are worse, but we won't go into that. World's oldest bodybuilder, 90 years old, poses nude for men's health. He says, people seem to be inspired by me. (laughs) It's always... uh... (laughs) An old person doing anything um, like that, like anything to do fitness related and stuff is always going to grab the attention, but I'm not sure that's one that's going to catch on. I'll, I'll tell you what's grabbed my attention. I've been laughing at one particular video since Saturday, and that is a video of a chicken having a haircut. <laughs> did it sit, how did it, how on earth did it sit still? I just So I'll send you the video. The, the caption was, he's got an interview at KFC. <laughs> and just the look on its face, how chilled out it is, is just phenomenal. I think I'll probably put the link of it in the episode description, actually, just so other people can see it. I've just sent it to you on WhatsApp so you can feast your eyes on this masterpiece. Oh, my word. Turn it down. He is at the barbers. He is at the barbers. So that... I've I've watched that far too many times since Saturday. Anytime I've been any kind of mood, and mainly that's just been because of the lack of football. <laughs> Revert straight to that and we're good to go. Um, aspiring Navy SEALs are using Viagra to self-medicate when they start coughing up blood during qualifying drills. They say it works, but at a price. <laughs> we all know what that price is. I've heard it being used for altitude sickness before, um, but yeah... Yeah, that's a that's a new one on me. I'll have to have to keep that one in my locker if it works. As if some highly skilled, highly trained Navy SEAL heading towards you isn't terrifying enough. <laughs> They've all just got a rock on, bricked up, <laughs> moving really, in your direction. They're really up for it. They really do love their job. <laughs> when the expenses come out for what they're having to spend their money on and they've just got thousands of pounds spent on these blue pills yeah well, these, justifying these, that one to the taxpayer these pharmaceutical companies are going to be rubbing their hands together direct direct supply to the <laughs> uh, armed forces it may not be their hands they're rubbing together <laughs> uh, Michigan couple gifted custom four-tiered cocktail sausage cake on their wedding day Four-tiered cocktail sausage cake. That's some people's dream. 
not mine. It is. I can remember going out for my birthday in Plymouth where TK was at uni and heading back in the car, everyone being horribly hungover and just seeing Sean pig out on this, you know, those little like family sized packs of cocktail sausages that you can get for like little picnics. Yeah, yeah, And I remember just seeing him eat those and the smell of them and just seeing him eat them just made me feel so unwell. (laughs) And I think it now every time I see cocktail sausages, unfortunately. If you had given me that story without any context of who was in the car with you, I would have picked Sean as the person in the car doing that. That is, I don't know. if, If I was trying to describe Sean to someone, that would be it. That would be one way I'd do it. There's no good way to explain to him that when I see cocktail sausages, I think of him, but hopefully uh, he understands. (laughs) Um, Chinese firm claims it has cloned an Arctic wolf. Hmm. Well, considering they're already able to clone dogs and stuff, is is it that much of a big deal? Like I say clone. A wolf. Well... Well, a, do- a wolf is in the dog family. Yeah, but we don't want more Arctic wolves roaming around. Wolves, I, I should say. Well, they're going extinct, aren't they? They're they're meant to be looked after. I wouldn't oh. mind a few wolves. Well, how much? Think of how much more entertaining it would be in this country because all the wolves went extinct eight like god centuries ago in this country. Wouldn't it be great if they uh, dropped the wolves into you, you know? Think how much more exciting. Aren't their jaws it? strong enough where they can supposedly bite through like whatever animal has the strongest skeleton? They can like just bite through it in one mouthful. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. I, if it, maybe not. But you know, picture picture that. You know, you're on your in the winter months, and you're on your walk home from the bus stop, and you just see it's all of a sudden it's like from uh, the grey, and you've got to uh, go go uh, throw hands with the uh, the alpha. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that with a wolf. Um, <laughs> Nine-year-old finds a three-foot-long earthworm in his back garden. I did see the photo of this worm, and I'm not sure I'd want to handle it. I'd like, probably rather have the wolf in my back garden than the earthworm, to be fair. Three feet long. Yeah. that I picture that film Tremors, where the, the things come out of the ground. Like, this, maybe this is how it starts. This, yeah, that's, I, that don't see, it doesn't seem right. How on earth did it get that big, and is there more? <laughs> Um, a Georgia woman found over $500 in her KFC sandwich after the restaurant misplaced its daily deposit. <laughs> how, how does that even happen? You'd be immediately fuming at whatever you've just found in your KFC, and then I guess it numbs the blow. Yeah, When definitely. someone from the back comes out to say, can I have that back, please? You'd be like, absolutely not. Yeah. If I find something in my sandwich, I feel I've got a right to claim that's mine. That that sounds to me like somebody who is absolutely hanging on tiredness. Like I can claim to have done a few funny things when I'm tired. Probably the extent of that is trying to open the fridge with a set of car keys as if it was a car door is about as tired as I've been at work. That's not costing you $500 though. No, it's not. But yeah, somebody's filling up that bat with, uh, with the wrong meat. And finally... Three sheriff's office employees are fired after staging wrestling matches with inmates. <laughs> uh, some twist on Fight Club that uh, you got to find some way to pass the time and keep the inmates uh, 
get, you could say it was forward thinking instead of the, you know the inmates trying to fight their way out, get them fighting each other and uh, draw their focus. Blimey. Well, there we go. That is your news of the week. We do now have TK with us. News of the week is up. TK, before we get into things, how is it going today? Fantastic. Devastated to miss news of the week, but uh, hey, worst things have happened at sea. Yep. Uh, you could be like Jack and be ditching us just to go to Wembley, which feels disgraceful. Feels a perfect anyway. excuse, that, doesn't it? Yep. Any excuse. Heading into the game with Italy on Friday, Southgate and his staff had studied June four games, two points, one goal, none from open play, and decided the problem was too much compromise. You don't win if you compromise, he said. We've got to be completely ruthless. Now, his answer to said ruthlessness was to stick with Harry Maguire at the back, play Kyle Walker and Bakayo Saka out of position, and play Phil Foden on the right wing a guy who has done niche in an England shirt. So if we start with his selection choices, the news broke on Friday morning that Maguire would be starting and I was pulling my hair out even more when the team sheet was revealed at 6.45pm. Nick Popingole, Eric Dyer, who starts again tonight, by the way, Harry Maguire and Kyle Walker at centre-back. Now, to be honest... I let Walker slide in my pre-game critique because I just didn't believe he could possibly be as bad as he was. Hopefully it's a one-off because he was horrendous. Hmm. Is this not the most boneheaded defensive triangle in English international history? A keeper renowned for playing the most long balls in Premier League history over a keeper that's just as good at shot stopping and has the distribution of Andrea Perlo between the sticks. Then a pair of centre-backs in front of him that probably still play knuckles for fun. These are the kind of guys we're dealing with. The lack of finesse, the lack of flair at the heart of the team. You've got Tamori on the bench, and he's dropped from tonight's squad, by the way. You've got Benjamin White at home, an absolute Rolls-Royce of a player, and you're stuck with these chumps in the starting lineup. If Ben White is a Rolls-Royce, Eric Dyer is a bulldozer. This is the type of guy, if you added it up, I bet he has spent hours of his life on one of those punch machines that you find in the arcades at bowling alleys or down the strip on a lad's holiday destination. These are the guys we're dealing with and we're expecting to lead us moving forward. The five at the back works nicely if you have someone like Maguire at the heart and then some pizzazz alongside them. So Maguire with like a combination of white, Tamori and stones, either side would work. Or remove the bloke that, judging by the pictures we've seen over the summer, still probably belly flops into a swimming pool for attention and just play the three smooth movers that I've already discussed. We continued the ruthlessness by reverting to the tactics of 2018 where the right winger was actually young Naosaka being played out of position and then having their effectiveness questioned. Although that's the last time I want to see Saka compared to Ashley Young. You've got Rice, who I actually thought was our best player, alongside Jude Bellingham, a player that has been gassed to such tremendous proportions that he's expected to be Lampard, Gerrard and Scholes now rolled into one and he's joining Liverpool in 2023, if you didn't know that. And yet the only outball we seem to look towards was Rhys James at wingback. It's not a team that creates chances or score goals. On the last five Nation League games in 2022... A Kane penalty against Germany is our only goal. 
The only other country without a non-penalty goal after five games in this Nations League is San Marino. The last open play goal was against Ivory Coast in a friendly in March, and the last open play competitive goal was against San Marino last November. Kane and Sterling, in fairness, have done more for England than most other players in recent memory. Maybe English player of the year aside, Bakayo Saka. But Sterling's looked useless lately, and the closer to Rooney's record that Kane gets, the greedier he gets. In an England shirt, he can't seem to strike the balance between dropping deep to the point that we have no outlet or just not passing at all. Phil Foden's a waste of time. Stinks when he doesn't have Daddy De Bruyne there to hold his hand. We'd be better off playing Saka there or bringing someone that can do more with less like Madison. I'll ask the two of you about a potential formation switch in just a moment, but this surely can't continue. And we're saying this before we play Germany. Southgate says he's still the man to lead us forward. But when stability is the biggest selling point you're offering, it's not a good look. TK, you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, Fikayo Tomori, James Ward-Prowse and Jared Bowen all left out of tonight's squad, while Grealish is suspended. What does this tell us about what this England side has moving forward? Tells us the manager's under pressure and he's thinking about the next game rather than planning for a tournament. He's just going, I've got to try and get a result in this next game or they're really, really going to be on my back because he's shown he doesn't trust Trent and that's why he's, he's not going to play him. He's, I don't know why he's called these players up if he's not going to play them at all. It's, it seems a pointless call-up. Um on form, I don't think you could argue. Trent probably shouldn't be in the squad full stop. Bowen no. probably shouldn't. But if you are calling them up, it seems strange that you wouldn't then play them. Because Trent has been fit for every session and yet misses both games. Does this ruthlessness just solely apply to him? As you said, whereas he could argue before, he doesn't really have a leg to stand on this season. But it it, it just seems strange that you, you're showing ruthlessness now, yet Phil Foden is still starting this game. Okay, maybe Mason Mount, the ruthlessness is applied to him as well, finally. But I don't really get what he's doing. If these are the guys, when you look at this lineup tonight, that he trusts, we're in for a worrying winter. I mean, that's different. Like, loyalty is a good thing to a degree, but it's when it's like, ridiculous, Lisa. I think these games before the World Cup, I think you're better off. You want to try and get a settled squad, of course, but I think you still want to try and get three, four, five players in and around the squad who are borderline, who have got a point to prove. Someone like Tony, obviously should have been involved in some capacity, I think. He obviously will be tonight, I think. But other players like that, there was even probably more of a case for trying to get Rashford into this one because he started to hit some sort of form. You go, right, show me what you can do. He got injured, I think. But in Yeah, f- fair enough. But that sort of player where you think he might be worried about his place. None of the players that played are worried. Sterling, Kane, Foden, all know they're in the squad and all probably think they're going to start no matter what. Without, as long as you don't have a total stinker in their club games over the next couple of months, they're going to be there. So there's kind of, why would there be much energy in that game? Because these players already think they're there. Harry Maguire would think, I don't even have to play and I'm going to be there. Yeah. There's, there's uh, more worry about whether you're going to be in the starting lineup, isn't there, than whether you're actually going to be in the squad. Like Saka probably has some reservations when he's being played at, at wing-back but then tonight, Phil Foden starting over him. Mm. They're probably the bigger worries that the squad has rather than anything else. Maybe James Ward-Prowse is a guy who did have something to prove and he's been dropped from the squad. Tomori could have shown us something. I, I definitely agree with 
TK about the sentiment of there's a lot of complacency and comfort coming out of these England performances. Mm. I don't think Sterling should be as comfortable as he is. No, no way. Like not even remotely. I mean, not. I, I don't think he should be in the starting lineup. I don't think he's got that much of a comfortable place in the squad, which sounds a bit rash, but you know, if he's pushing people, if it, if having him where he is pushes a few other people out of the squad entirely, you know, I mean, what I, I don't see his performances this season so far are giving us anything to work with on for England. I, I don't, I don't see it. Is there a thing though that if we're saying it's a case of what have you done for me lately? The issue is that no one else has really done anything for him lately. <laughs> so yeah, but when, when you, you look at these record, guys, when you've go got on. a track record though of Sterling, which is you know does fail to finish, you don't want. But for England, he doesn't. Yeah, I suppose that it, that is true. But, it's, but does he though? I mean, it's a his record is very good for England, and yet you watch him and. I, I don't know. I'm not convinced at all. And it, it makes no sense because on paper you go, yeah, he's always delivered for us. And yet you watch that game and I thought, he's not going to, he's barely going to beat a man and he's not going to score for us. I just didn't believe in him. By contrast, but, if you get someone like Saka in those positions, I at least think, right, he's going to go at the man and he's going to offer me something. Three goals, think- one assist for him this season, though, is better than everyone other than Kane and Saka. I mean, he has to be in the squad, but I do agree with AJ's point that potentially... I don't think it's good that he basically knows he is a guaranteed starter. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a problem. It will be interesting to see now that he's at Chelsea and he's not going to get, well, obviously they've switched managers now, but he's not going to get as many chances as he did when he was at City just to see how that affects his game. Because but then he has already got four goal contributions this season. Yeah, I know, but he's that main. He's hundred percent that main man in the Chelsea squad. We'll see how it continues through the season and whether we can keep that kind of goal scoring form up. But we'll we'll see. But it, you is know, it's, it's, it's tournament. It's tournament. Sterling. I suppose you've got the benefit of that. It's tournament. Sterling. Different uh, outside of the tournament. Sterling. There, there is something in that um, the formation has us hamstrung somewhat. In that. Some of the players that TK you would maybe have and say they would be on the periphery aren't getting an opportunity because they don't fit into this kind of five-two-three system that we're trying to play. Hmm. Like any striker knows, there's no room for anyone else. Like we haven't tried Kane dropping in behind an alternative striker. We've not tried Kane up top with another striker. There's still talk of like Calvin Phillips and what he's going to do when he comes back into the squad. He's having surgery and he's racing against time to get back in. And he wasn't playing anyway. (laughs) No, so there's a whole thing with trust, but have any of these players shown anything worth trusting? If if you were going to drop, if you were going to drop Kane back and put another striker in front of him, who are you eyeballing for that above anyone else? Tammy or Tony. And it works. Uh, that would work, but it's just obviously you have to change the whole formation if you're going to do that because you're not going to drop Kane. <laughs> or you're do. And we should have done it sooner. We're just going to have Rice on his own in there and then Kane. Well, he gave it like to. one game, didn't he, with four at the back and then basically said, no, 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 yeah. no, no I'm, I'm not trying that. And I do understand that international football is different. You have less time with the players. It's harder to instill a system. And I'll ask about changing the manager in a minute, but it wouldn't be as simple as okay, Arsene Wenger comes in and manages this team and suddenly we're playing tiki-taka football. Yeah. No, but definitely. there is something to it in that 
the the way Southgate is setting us up, it feels almost like Unai Emery at Arsenal to me when he was playing five at the back. And it was basically, let's just try not to lose today and then we'll see what happens. But the issue, and the issue is when you don't have the defenders for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. the issue is he's getting the worst of both worlds because where he doesn't trust our defenders, he's trying to create a system that is conservative and cautious to protect that. But it's then stifling, obviously, any creativity or attacking intent we've got as well. So you kind of ended up just getting a situation where we will leak the odd goal and we're not creating fuck all. Um, I know he's instinctively cautious as well. We've seen that. We know that. You're relying on the weakest part of the squad as well to to be your your cornerstone for the rest of the system to work as well. Which (laughs) It's also like, if you don't trust certain players, fair enough. Luke Shaw keeps getting in this squad because we're told essentially... For a start, there's no outstanding left back out there. Well, that yeah, that's the biggest him. issue at the minute. But then, if you trust him, why is Saka playing left wing back? Yeah, because yeah. Saka played left wing back when he first broke into the Arsenal side, and the difference when you look back is that he had Granite Xhaka as an interior there, so he was essentially playing as a winger, and he defended when he had to. He looked great. I think he got ten assists from there his first season, but it wasn't quite what meets the eye when you just look at the squad on paper. Now, Saka, there was an incident probably around half an hour in against Italy where, I can't, who was on the left-hand side? Well, I guess it would have been Sterling. Sterling isn't keeping up with the play or he's tried going in central to get alongside Kane. And Saka's burst up alongside him to get down the flank. We lose the ball, I think Kane gave it away. And then suddenly he's having to track all the way back across the pitch. And on the commentary, they're saying, oh, look, he's out of position, you know, he needs to be more disciplined if he's playing this role, but he hasn't played this role before. Not like this. And so this is something where if you say to Saka six months ago, look, Luke Shaw's injured a lot. We need to make sure that you can play here if you need to. You can maybe do something like that then, but Mm. doing it a game before a tournament starts, there are better things you could be doing here. If you want to take a risk, Play Tony for the game, and if see if he has see if he has a good time there. I got. I was looking through. Um, well, wing back. Uh, <laughs> Get really radical. No, no, no. Get really no, radical. Just if you're going to test a player, then maybe play Luke Shaw and try Tony. I don't know, but I was looking through uh, football shirts. I always get some on payday, and I picked up an England shirt from the 2007-2009. And so the I've glory been going is. through. Yeah, well, <laughs> I've been going through all of the fixtures we played for those couple of years. You got yourself a Scott Carson goalie top. Fortunately, uh, it is an outfield one. But I've been just trying to see who played across all of those years. And we do have this kind of core squad and every so often a player comes in. But when a player does well, he's given the opportunity to thrive. Theo Walcott replaced David Beckham around 2008. Hmm. He scored a hat-trick against Croatia. And then we basically played him until the goals stopped flying in. We're not even giving the players the opportunity here to do that because they come into the squad and then we say something like, you know, it's a good experience for each, for him to be in and around the camp. And then you get 20 minutes because Harry Maguire's already got his position. Phil Foden, look, he's going to kick on for England at some point. Serling, well, he's been great for us in the past. We've got to stick with him. It's just, it's baffling. And it's not even like there's a lack of talent because we probably had more viable options coming through. Some of the benches I saw, Colton Cole's on the bench. Andy Johnson's getting game time. <laughs> it's startling some of the names that you saw when you go through that couple of years. Vintage. 
And yet we can't now say, Madison, you've been doing great for the last couple of years. It actually might be worth us changing the formation and seeing what we can do because mm. we're not seeing anything that's worth sticking with. What happens if Harry Kane has more space because the players have to come in and press Madison because he can shoot from range? It, it's just so irritating seeing it because people are going to downplay everything we've done over the last two tournaments. And I won't do that entirely. Some say it was an easy, easy run we had. We should have won those games. And that overlooks the fact that we had easier runs than those before and yeah. we didn't take it. Now, I still pin that on Harry Kane over Roy because I'll ride my guy <laughs> to the end. <laughs> you really are a ride or die. Look, someone needed to take Kane off set pieces that tournament. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the manager. I don't know. <laughs> He's one of the people who could have, yeah. Gary Neville has since taken responsibility for that. And actually, I think Wilshire dropped him in it rather than Neville taking responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roy was too trusting. That was his problem. <laughs> he was too trusting. <laughs> like the character in a film, you tr- trusted like the bastard brother. So like, why did you trust him? Why did you do well, in- it? TK, if, if you suddenly, I'm going to put you in politician mode here. Oh, no. You get poached from work yesterday. You're missing the pod today because Southgate has just heard these unbelievable things. And he needs you to come into the squad and you've got to be a spokesman for the squad. It's funny you should say that, Luke. I was late today. (laughs) I didn't want to mention it, but yes. And Southgate says, I need you to go out there and try and make some sense of the fact that Harry Maguire is going to be in my team and he's going to continue to be in my team. (laughs) Do you think you could do it? Because I think you can. It's just the fact that that's not the only thing you'd have to go out and explain. I've heard TK uh, sell harder things to sell. I can spin it. It's fine. Uh, it's that or I just do what the government currently does and just go, just deny that Harry Maguire is actually playing. <laughs> he's, like, he's not actually playing. You're, you're all mistaken. You've all got it wrong. I didn't tell you he was going to play. Uh, you can, because you can say, look, he hasn't let us down, etc., etc. We know the party line on it. Um, I didn't think, I didn't watch that game and think Maguire's the the biggest problem here. I thought our total lack of creativity obviously is, um, and I'm not going to pin that on him as much as I don't think he's a particularly good player. Um, so I, I don't feel that element of it. I think people are a little bit hung up on that in the same way as sometimes they get a bit hung up on Maguire with United. You think, well, they've got a lot more problems than yeah. just him. I think we do at England now, which uh, it, one of the issues with Southgate has got now as well is that this sort of ill feeling towards him and the squad is creeping in on the eve of a tournament. And one of the main successes of his time has been that people have actually liked him and liked the team. It's kind of easy to forget that prior to 2018, people were either indifferent to England or actively resented these players. (laughs) These players don't really give a fuck about this shirt. They're not really trying to, and they're always underperforming. And he's kind of changed that. And now that is steadily being eroded away to the point where people are asking if he should be sacked just before the tournament. Well, I think we're seeing one of the best things he did now was get the press on side because the press have gone out for the kill in better managers than this for England. But again, they're starting to turn because you know they'll go with the way the wind blows and they're sensing that fans are sort of paying for blood a little bit. And then they can sort of sense blood in the water and the knives are starting to come out for him already. And and that's another thing that we were going into these tournaments and the press were basically going, 
right, hopefully they shit out because then we can jump on them. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting a similar sort of feeling now. It's not, it's maybe not quite the same because he's, as you said, he's fostered quite a good relationship with them, but it, it's going that way. And if we have a bad performance tonight, if, heaven forbid if they were to put us to the sword, it'd be big, big trouble. Well, because there's something to it, isn't there, that Thiago Silva and people are going to say this is disrespectful to put the two in the same breath, but Thiago Silva in a five at the back at Chelsea is fine because he can do his job. He can sit in the middle of that three. The ball's coming to the box. He can head them away. He's decent with the ball at his feet. He can play it out nicely and he's got enough pace around him or that's what they were trying to do. And he's just got enough ability to cover up for any inefficiencies that he has. Hmm. Harry Maguire, <laughs> as a guy in the middle of that, whether you want to say he's more of a Rudiger than he is Thiago Silva, Harry Maguire is a guy who had the country falling for him because he essentially was a guy that just chucked his head at everything. Yeah, no nonsense. Yeah, and it was something that, I mean, people go mad for that unless it's Phil Jones, actually. Like John Terry, you can clear it with your feet. Don't worry about it. You chuck your head in the way. <laughs> we love you. And Harry Maguire can be that guy for you. But the issue is, and we said about it with Danny Ward last week, any goal he concedes now, it can be a world yeah. like Suns ping yeah. pass him. And it's, well, he's a shit keeper. We can get away with saying he should save it. And no one can question it because we've decided he's a shit keeper. Harry Maguire is going into games. It doesn't help him regardless of what he says that we are looking at him like, I dare you to make a mistake. Well, Because the- we're going to clip this on TikTok, we're going to post this on Twitter, and we're all going to go, see, this is why this guy shouldn't be playing. Yeah. I'll um, I'll issue a formal apology to the Chelsea contingent who will be listening to this after you just likened Maguire to Rudiger, Thiago Silva, and John Terry within a small segment. That was... Uh, if, you, but I, if you offered me I, Thiago Silva or Harry Maguire, I would take Harry Maguire. Blimey. Okay, um, uh, that's going to take a bit of time to digest that, that one. But uh, if I move on from that... And I don't even like the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must really hate Thiago Silva. Um, the things you said about Maguire, though, where everyone's looking out for the mistake, I think that also applies in a larger format to the manager, is that everyone is basically kind of... I think there is a percentage of English fans, I don't like admitting this, a lot of fans, and I don't consider myself one of them, but I think... You might, you might be one of them, but the, where it's kind of, I would kind of quite like us to lose to be proven right. Oh no, no, I'm not there. And it's, it's almost overriding that would want us to win. It's kind of for some, I think. I kind of look at it and thinking they've gone so all in on him being disgraced. And look, I, I think there's a lot of improvements can be made. But I think they also were so committed to this that, and you, you're in a difficult spot then because if it's right, you either win the World Cup or you're dreadful. We're in, a, we're in a very difficult spot. Yeah, Con- Connor messaged in a group chat uh, a couple of days back and he said, you know what I've only just realised? Luke is actually a hater. <laughs> and I said, I genuinely don't know how you've only just realised this. Like, it's kind of my brand. Like, <laughs> just a hater in general, not even something specific. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, oh, I was about Harry Maguire actually. He was complaining about Harry Maguire. So look, look how these things... Uh, come full circle. Mm. Well, if you go back to 2018 and you saw Harry Maguire and John Stones at the centre of defence yeah. and you did this poll to say, who's who's the player you're more worried about making a mistake out of these two? It's probably going to be John Stones yeah. that had a higher portion of the vote, isn't it? Yeah, people... Less, 
the less he plays, the more his brand flies through the roof. Because this is a guy that definitely has a mistake in him and we're just pretending that doesn't happen. He does, but he's also someone who, the mistakes of his early career, he seems to never be able to escape because he is quite regularly one of City's best. If you look at City fans online, there's some that argue he's their best defender. They say he's better than Ruben Diaz for sure. And Laporte obviously has his injury record, which means he's in and out. And they say that they think John Stones is better. And I saw someone arguing this week that he's top five in the world. I mean, he, as we've said before, that City players tend to be, as individuals, sometimes slightly underrated because the team is so good. And he's, yeah. again, his his individual mistakes played his early career, I think he's struggled to get away from. I can't remember the last high-profile one. Of course, now I've said it, he'll have a shocker for England. <laughs> but I, yeah, if you say to me, England's best centre-half, it probably has to be John Stones at the minute. But at the same time, you wouldn't want him sort of, I don't know, leading the line. It's, a, it's an odd thing where he's almost like yeah. the best second defender you can have. And it's like we don't have the lead defender, which is supposedly what Maguire is supposed to be. Uh, but if he's your lead defender, then then Christ alive, then there's no confidence in the squad, is there? And by the way, adding Eric Dyer as a third element to that to kind of shore up oh. a bit of confidence, I don't know if that's good doing the, uh, the intended job. Spurs fans should be credited with one of the greatest PR jobs <laughs> ever seen because... I mean, he has been okay for them, though. This he is has what the three at the back does, though. Yeah, 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 for sure. But then, you know, the argument would be if we're going to play for it at the back, play someone who's playing it at club level. I right. am reluctantly going to agree with what Luke said in the opening segment in which that if you're going to play a back three, you need a bit of variety there. We're going to say that they I, played knuckles. I was, I was slightly yeah. amazed at your desire for flair at centre back because I don't think we necessarily need flair. I know, I know what, what you meant. John Stones in there for? No, right, yeah, flair's probably the wrong word, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, the, you, but the somebody, stick their head on anything and play knuckles is kind of part of what you want with a centre half as well. You know, yeah, a punch machines. What, what, right. what I'm trying to say, what, what, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, if we're trying to get a bit more creativity, you've got to have at least one in there for need, sure. I agree. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you need something to come from the back, and right now I don't see either of those three offering that. No, um, no, even slightly. So you need to add, you need to throw something in there, and I, I think. In a weird way, I, it, I think it distinguishes the roles that each of those players have got to play a little bit more, and they don't sort of turn and look at each other as if and start blaming each other. If that kind of makes sense, because you've got you've got three guys who could potentially make the same mistake um, with dealing with certain dealing with certain players. I, I think you want somebody who can. I thought plays in a different role. I thought they were all looking at each other as a right. Who's going to start the build up then? who's going to start the build-up play and then all realising, oh shit, it's going to have to be me. And none of them really had it in them. Walker obviously had a bad game and Dyer and Maguire are what they are. They're okay they players. There's a gap between the defence and the midfield and you, you say about them being what they are. One of the th- reasons why Harry Maguire had such a high price tag was the way that he brought the ball out of defence. And I remember the game, was it Leicester, was it the Leicester-Man City game where company won in the league and I remember Harry Maguire having a run in that game where people just could not believe what they were seeing and this is a guy who isn't he's probably thanks for bringing that up (laughs) if you if you portioned out all of the centre-backs in the league into the order of how well how good they were the ball at their feet I would say Harry Maguire would be in the top half of that bracket and he probably would have been deemed higher up a couple of years back 
Yeah. Yes and he's no. He's, but the thing, thing with him is, if he can get time on the ball, he's okay on the ball. But he obviously has got mistaken if he gets, yeah, if he gets pressed too much. And he's also like, if you wanted to make the, um, he is like a, a very, very, I'll say, budget version of Terry in terms of the skills that he brings. Terry was really good on the ball, but he knew what he was. So he wasn't trying to glide past someone, which sometimes Maguire does. You know, what the hell are you trying here? He would, <laughs> he would like ping a long ball. And knew that's that was what his strength was. He didn't get into the nitty gritty of trying to take it past someone like I don't know, like Matip does for Liverpool, for example, or like John Stones can do. Uh, and that was where you wanted sometimes with with our three centre halves we had nobody really wanted to do it. Walker perhaps because he doesn't know the position as well, and the other two because they don't really have it in the locker and probably aren't confident enough to do it in an England shirt. So if we just look at this squad, because I'll be honest, um, I am maybe that fickle that if Southgate was doing all this but he had Ramsdale in goal Ben White at centre-back Smith Rowe on the left and Saka on the right I may be <laughs> telling you we need to give this guy more time well here's, a, here's another you're only I know you're semi-joking there, but I do also think especially I said some people quite like to lose I do think there's a decent proportion of the fan base that would basically see us lose with their players playing rather than us see us win it all without any of their players playing, which I've never quite understood but I do think no a, no because I I know I'm asked, making the extreme of the argument there, but I think there's a there's a bit of that in our fan base. I was asked earlier today or yesterday if I celebrate when Harry Kane scores for England, and that's always baffled me. What that a weird some question. Won't yeah. Do that. yeah, that some well, there's people that make their entire brand being that they wouldn't do that because they would not celebrate a Tottenham player scoring that a goal. Is weird, yeah. and you'll see people doing it before the World Cup. Um, the issue is, and all of us have a different perspective on our own players because we watch those teams more than anyone else. Mm. And you always do get individual players like that. And Ben White does seem to be one where Arsenal fans and kind of with Granite Xhaka recently where everyone's saying, how are you all not seeing this? And it's because while well, everyone else isn't watching all of our games. Yeah. The Ben White one is frustrating because it does feel like everything you're asking Harry Maguire to do, Ben White can do. And every, everything certainly you're asking Eric Dyer to do, Ben White can do. When you've got Tamori in the squad, it has to just be that he's in Italy. And it can't be that we can't afford the scouts to go out there and watch him play regularly. Yeah. You can even just watch on BT Sport the next day. What what reason can there be that this guy playing at the highest level 90 minutes a week for AC Milan can't get a sniff in this squad? Because it looks like, I think you said it with Trent, where it's basically, you wanted him in the squad, he's in the squad. So stop Don't asking me to me. play him. Just shut up about yeah, it. Yeah, so stop asking. That kind of feels like what he's done with Tomori. Yeah, agreed. There's his is just the ultimate case of plays abroad, so I'm not going to play him. It's um, the English bias, which, as you've just touched on there, there's no excuse now because in terms of the access you've got to it, as it, we should be able to watch that anyway. But even if yeah, like you said, you just you can watch on TV now. It's not it's not a problem. He's quite clearly one of the one of the solutions to our to our problems. If you look at Kyle Walker is in as the third centre half because basically he's got a turn of pace if we do end up in trouble. Otomori is an actual centre half and has a decent enough turn of pace that he should be able to cover for one of the other centre halves, which you apparently yeah. think are enough of a disaster that you've got to have someone who's rapid next to him. Which doesn't well, spell out a lot of confidence, does it? It's always baffled me that it's supposedly a Reese James and Trent conversation and not a Reese James, Trent and Carl Walker conversation because Carl hmm. Walker, and I say this after I've just said what an awful game he had on Friday, which I don't think he would 
come on here. The thought of him on here is great, but I don't <laughs> think he would come out and speak to anyone and say he had a good game. But he's in the same way that I said about Saki. Yes, he's had more experience. He's probably a combination of what you say Reese James does that Trent doesn't do and what you say Trent does that Reese James doesn't do. Carl Walker is actually a better blend than the two of them. And then you've got Kieran Trippier in that mix as well. He's probably the best overall right back, uh, which is probably it's probably testament to how bad Trent is defensively. But, well, how bad is he considered defensively? Because when you look at when Carl Walker was first breaking, it was like decent enough going forward, but can't really defend. Now he's yeah. seen as our safe option. And not as good going forward because he isn't as good as going forward as those other two. Yeah, the, the thing, I've, I've touched on it, but if you didn't trust Trent when he was playing out of his skin, you're definitely not going to trust him to play now. And if you're playing the wing-back role, I think it's got to be either Reese James, who's playing there for his club, when Tuchel didn't decide to play him at centre half, yeah. And, um, and Trippi has obviously got experience in there, particularly from uh, when he was at Letico. Yeah, I think they're, they're the best wing-back options. Uh so you'd play those two, and I think Walker could, could do the job. But obviously, again, him or Trent, they'd have to be changing it slightly, playing in, in a wing-back role. Both of those also played left wing-back, by the way, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, Trippier played it regularly for England. Yeah. So and, and then that's where you you have the argument with Ben White is just stripped away. Because if your thing is that he's been playing for right-back for Arsenal, so how am I going to play him at centre-half? Well, you've shown you'll play Trippier at left-back you play Walker as a third centre half, so it doesn't make any sense. I think quite clearly, are in terms of how they're playing, I think you'd have to say, and the record, you'd have to say John Stones, Tamori, and Ben White are probably the three best centre halves, and I don't think he's going to play those three together because I think he perceives them as being more softer, finesse centre halves, which I, I think is unfair on all of them because I think they've got a blend of they're good on the ball. And they can do the dirty stuff as well. The only thing you'd say, none of them I would describe as aerially dominant, but I wouldn't say they're aerially weak either. I would say it's just a fairly neutral one. And how many teams, you know, we're not playing many teams that are going to go, we're going to lump up to a six foot four striker and he's going to eat our defenders alive. That just doesn't really tend to happen nowadays. So that would, I wouldn't be worried about that myself. Because I understand some of it can be just in what they're asked to do by a manager and that some centre-backs are asked to go and press out to the ball and so they they have more duels that way whereas some kind of stick back because Ben White wins more headers than Gabriel does for Arsenal mm. and you said about the almost narrative being created with John Stones that he can't escape from and I mean this is a genuine question do, do you think that Brentford game with Ben White yeah yeah it definitely has been that doesn't seem to have moved past it for for anyone like people still talk about we had 90 minutes of it when we were threading up against him the other week. And it's still, well, that game Ben White had, when objectively it wasn't that bad. It's because of um, and, that game and how he looks. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. only joking. It's, if you no, no, I know. do your hair and wear earrings or whatever, people don't think that's what a centre-half should look like. And they think you're soft as a result. It's just and he, like, he gets stuck in, like you only have to look at yeah, the way yeah. defenders yeah. are on the opening day. It's, it's very strange. But then at the same time, if Southgate lined up with those three at centre-back and we lost last week, it'd be go, well, you know, we're one game away from an international tournament and you're changing your entire back line. But yeah, we're, we're probably talking about bringing in Eric Dyer is a, is, a, is a strange one because, I mean, it, maybe he is. Is he planning to start him or is it because 
there's been some injuries. I, I, I don't know. It would be Dyer's come straight in. And he's gone above Tamori in the pecking order. It would be Stones in for Dyer, wouldn't it? But I do think he's probably next in the pecking order. Which decide for yourself how happy or not you are with that. Well, it's Stones Maguire Dyer tonight, isn't it? Yeah, and I imagine in a in a tournament he'll probably drop uh, Dyer for Walker if I was having a guess and play. Rich James is the is the wing back. But he's 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 playing Dyer at the heart of the defence. He's putting he's moving Maguire at left. Yeah, I mean bizarre. I because <laughs> the other thing you said whilst I agree with you potentially about having Maguire in that in that middle role, I think if you were gonna it's not fully, but if you were gonna designate that role as a sort of sweeper, then John Stones would be perfect for it because of his ball playing ability to if you wanted that's gonna be the one that starts our our build up play than him but again oh, I, I saw him in there as kind of like I mean football manager you put it as a stop yeah yeah, so yeah effectively yeah. I'm asking you don't touch the ball with your feet yeah you're here to head and leave kick. it to the other two yeah but that's that's how I would view it it's more of a John Stone sort of role but but again we're talking about things that you know we're, we're revising before the night before the exam here <laughs> we're going like this is stuff that should have been done but quite we do a while that every ago. tournament and every tournament we say we're not going to do it again yeah, I think, but then I would say this is this is the most glaring thing about these last few games and much for Southgate is that the last two tournaments haven't been quite as much like that. You've had more of an idea of the squad, and I've always felt he's whether I've agreed with his squad selection or whatever, I've always felt he's assured. I don't think he's that assured at the minute. I think he's doing what he thinks is the safest, most conservative option and will create the least headlines, not necessarily what he thinks is best. And I think he's starting to question himself a little bit, as I guess you would, but that's never good. Once a manager starts questioning himself, it's it's a long way back. I think I've said it countless times with Brendan. Once that starts with him at each club, that's when it all starts falling apart. And that it feels like it was Southgate to me. He feels a lot less assured in what he's doing. And as a result, we are on the eve of a tournament as we've been previously with Sven, with Capello, where it's kind of, oh, I know we don't look that great, but we'll figure it out when we get there. And, History tells us you don't tend to figure out when you get there. Because the only real thing he changed from the first game at the last tournament was Saka for Foden, wasn't it? Other than that, he basically kept the same team. Mm-hmm. And, there's nothing... and even then, he second-guessed himself and he dropped Saka for Mount, I think it was, when we got to the final. Yeah, I, don't, I do not rule out that Mount finds his way back <laughs> no. in, regardless of club <laughs> form either, into this team. The new, having a nucleus of a squad makes sense. It's just... I think, especially in attacking positions, I think he should at least have one or two with a point to prove that give us a little bit of a, a cutting edge because we we had about as much cutting edge as a butter knife, didn't we, against yeah, Italy? There's no fluidity. It was something pretty that- remarkable that we had the most stifled, boring, stagnated game and yet looked so stretched at the same time. It is... Yeah. The two things shouldn't really be able to happen, and yet they did. Rice and Bellingham were getting through some yards. <laughs> Felt for them. Should we should we say something in the fact that the majority of the nation that weren't Arsenal fans spent the Euros saying, "Why isn't Jadon Sancho getting a game?" And it turns out Southgate saw what a bummy was <laughs> up close, and we were the ones that were falling behind and just saying, "Is it because he plays in Germany?" Is there some, are they seeing Tamori up close and saying, look, you boys aren't watching Serie A like you say you are. Eric Dyer is better than this guy. <laughs> Can we rule that out? Yeah, you could be right. You could be right. Obviously, he's getting them together in training for that reason. Presumably, he said in that case, 
well, you guys aren't seeing what Trent, Jared Bowie, and James Will Prowse did. They were a disaster in training, man. So I couldn't play them. Yeah, that that Trent- is obviously that is obviously on the menu. That is possible that that, that could have happened. Trent was getting credit from some journalists today just for turning up for England training. I did see that. What a bizarre... Fuck me. What a bizarre take. A couple of questions from, I have on... I think that was Henry Winter, who I think has yeah. done an about turn on Southgate because I'm sure he was defending him last time. The point you make about the... Um, we could have got beaten had these players played. I, I, this is probably where my... I've always been a bit bemused by the get rid of Southgate or whatever because I think, well, one... Good managers don't tend to want international jobs anyway. But to if you looked at the at the Euros, looked at some of the teams like fans are suggesting we should have played against Germany, we'd have got absolutely spanked. Because yeah, on FIFA or for manager, I'm sure it would have looked good, but it wouldn't have looked good. And my biggest thing of it has always been not one of those fans are gonna go, if we get spanked, go, well, hands up, that's what I wanted him to do. So fair. <laughs> it would have been, oh, what the fuck was he doing? So at the same time, he he does have to make difficult decisions that as backseat drivers, it's easy for us to criticise at times. Well, I thought it was interesting that right after the last World Cup, he was the favourite to take the United job. As and when, I think, what it was Jose at the time, what it, it was about to get sacked. Whoever it was, he was the favourite to be the next Man United manager. Now, I believe so, that one there we go. Oli then, who was about to be sacked for... Oli, I think they were taking odds on the next manager from the moment Oli got the job. Yeah. Alex, um, with no fishing intended here, your manager is probably the most likely to be gone first of our teams. Andy plays the <laughs> same system. Well, Arteta, they've shown they're not going to sack him and Liverpool aren't sacking Klopp. Well, Conte's being incessantly no, 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 linked no. with the Juve job now. Are you going to disagree? It's, in, it's purely down to what happens this season. With if, you had, if you had 100 grand mm-hmm. and you had to put it on... The first to be sacked, the first to leave the post, sorry, out of Klopp, Arteta and Conte. You think Conte lasts longer in a job than either of those two. And I don't think Conte gets sacked. I think he walks. I disagree with that. Who's going first? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Who's going? I, I, I disagree. I disagree that... Conte walks. I disagree. I think it's a mutual, one of those mutual, uh, Mutual well, that, that's still the same answer either. then. Conte goes first. No. If she dumps you, but you say, look, I was going to break over anyway. That doesn't count, I've got to tell you. So who Arteta goes first of the three? Arteta Arteta's goes first. Because Arteta needs to get results for you this season. But they didn't sack him yeah, when... Yeah, they were 18th. They didn't sack him when he was in the relegation <laughs> zone. Yeah, but there's a deadline to when this project needs to work. And if it all goes I, to shit, and you don't I'm get it... I'm not sure there is. I'm not sure there is either. They're going to be 20 years down the line if you don't trust the process, let's trust. Well, Arteta would have to sack himself. I don't know if you saw um, Sanyehi was being interviewed by The Athletic today. Took absolutely no responsibility, by the way, even after it's now come out. There was an internal investigation into the uh, purchase of Nicolas Pepe. He says it was a really depressing time at Arsenal. Um, I had to oversee the sacking of 55 members of staff. I wasn't aware I was the 56th. (laughs) (laughs) Ruthless. So just before That's, I ask my question, Alex, do you think Arteta goes before Conte? Uh, because yeah. that Juventus job, if it doesn't come in the next fortnight, is coming at the end of the season. And mm. I can be honest myself, I didn't realise what a legend he was there until the last couple of weeks. Mm. All right. 
I'll say Conte does go first out of those three. You, you swayed me, but I say that gladly if uh, Arteta's there for the long haul and he doesn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already nervy about Saturday, so we won't talk Arsenal Spurs any longer because I'm going to get jelly legs. If Conte left tomorrow and Southgate was the favourite for the job, do you think you could convince yourself that it was a good move? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask another question then. If Southgate and Ollie went for the same job, who would get it? Oh, Jesus. Uh, oh, um, I would probably go with Southgate. I think he still would, wouldn't he? Yeah. Oh. I think if it, so put it like this, if it was Ollie and Southgate going for the Spurs job and it was only those two that could get it, it's Southgate just on the basis he's got experience working with those players. I think if, say, some of those players, sorry. Leicester or Aston Villa sacked their managers tomorrow and they whittled it down to Southgate and Ollie, I think they both take Ollie. Really? I, I don't think they do. I don't think no, I do think that. there's been some serious revisionism around Ollie's time at United, particularly in the way they attacked. And I think oh. people have forgotten that was largely counter attacking. I agree, but that. That revisionism does exist. Like that, that perception of him does exist. So even if it's unfair, it's there. But Southgate is in hell right now. At the minute, but they'll be able to sell themselves, oh, well, he's got to a final and a semi-final of a tournament, which Oli, by contrast, doesn't. And I do think they'll, maybe again, maybe unfairly, if you're a club down there, you're going to go, well, Oli got relegated with Cardiff, so <laughs> I don't need that. Whereas they, Southgate, his Middlesbrough spell feels a long time ago. Again, I would... <laughs> I would say that was a sign that he's not a club manager. I think the England job is the only job that Southgate can operate in at any high level, personally. Because half of it is a politician job and he's good at that. Yeah. What do you reckon if Southgate and Nuno going for the same job? Nuno get an order, I think. But again, his 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 stock has gone through the floor. <laughs> if you invested in that, I feel for you. Very disrespectful what Spurs did. Between to Spurs and uh, Bruno Lag doing okay at Wolves, his reputations and tatters. Um, I just did want to say as well, if anyone was placing bets for the North London derby on Saturday, Gabby Agbon Lahore spoke yesterday and he said, I would put any amount of money you wanted me to put that Arsenal get top four this season. It is guaranteed. <laughs> oh, I don't last even have to needed. think about it. The <laughs> last thing you needed. Yeah. My um, word. I, so, like me earlier seeing Rio coming out defending Trent it's like no we don't need that we <laughs> don't need that that's not the allo we needed yeah, we, we've spoken a lot I would be devastated if Southgate was in the Liverpool job to answer your question on that I would <laughs> yeah. be truly uh, devastated I didn't even think that was he worth was, asking to be honest he is like the uh, he is like the lad who the girls are saying oh you'll make a great boyfriend for someone it's like, well, for you no no not for me <laughs> he'll make a great manager for someone but definitely not for me First question, um, is there any world in which we get battered tonight? And I guess this is going to come out after the game, but hypothetically. And he's sacked. Is there any chance that happens? I just don't see it. I think you put... the These games that you play, and I know it's the... the uh, oh Christ, I've forgotten the name of the tournament. That's so much. It's uh, Nations League. <laughs> Nations, Nations League. Um, I just... I think people look... Is still have in the back of their minds with all the criticism that's been thrown his way that tournament football 
to like we're talking, you know, the Euros and the World Cup is just it's different. It's different. Mm. The, yeah. the players in the players' interests are captivated. They've got nothing else to focus on. They're not worried about keeping fit for their club matches. They're just all in on that World Cup. The environment's entirely different. They're in a closed they're in a closed off environment as a squad. Um on a more permanent basis, I just just the whole atmosphere is entirely different. There's just a I different think, level of intensity, isn't there? Yeah, which you yeah, can't replicate much, in these games. As much as the Nations League has added a little bit more competitiveness and a little bit more thought to these matches, I still see them as just a friendly international match, and I think that's why. That I think that's pretty much what everybody else thinks as well. Um, you know, beyond. I think the most negative thing that we're seeing is the way the team's playing, how we're not scoring, how we're losing. And he is becoming a victim of his own success in these previous tournaments where people are getting a little bit nervous. But I think as far as track record goes with international teams that have not performed before the tournaments, Italy is a really good example of that. I'm pretty sure they performed terrible before certain Euros and World Cups and have gone on to in all of their friendlies uh, and Nations League even, even as well. And then they've gone on to perform at a complete, like just play a completely different way. So I, yeah, I, I don't think there's a world in which he gets sacked. Even if, even if we get battered tonight, 4-0 by these Germans, I don't, I don't see us, I don't see him losing his job. I we're, think we just pay, you, you got to, you got to remember this guy has got us to a semi-final and a final <laughs> And I know, I know, I know, I know that's like, it doesn't matter because we didn't win. And that well, that's is the true. way it works for Southgate. You, you have you, to give you, him the credit for getting there, but you don't mention the fact we lost him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do, but it, it's because we were on such a bad place before that and he's yeah, changed. Yeah. Like, I mean, we wouldn't be, like, it's, it's, it's crazy because, what, five, six years ago, if you told us we were having this conversation now, about like you know whether we wanted to get rid of a manager who got us to a semi-final and a final of two major tournaments. Yeah, it's true. You know, I don't. I I think we'd be struggling to get our head around that, mm. and just thinking maybe you know we'd definitely be in the camp of maybe it's the like it's the players causing the problems. They're just not interested. So, yeah, that's that's my stance on it. Well, with football manager for those that do play it, and I'm going to admit to some bending of the rules here. <laughs> um, sometimes you, you get rules. you get bored on a save and you see it's coming up to the summer maybe the World Cup comes in and you don't just put yourself as the manager of said country because you can't do that unless you have the in-game editor turned on which I refuse to do because the temptation is too strong but you may add a new manager onto a country <laughs> and then immediately <laughs> resign so the job is opened up and then if your CV is good enough maybe they will offer you the job or you have a really insulting spell where they just keep taking multiple managers over you. <laughs> but you do take those jobs in the knowledge that as soon as that tournament's over, you are going to resign and just go back to your club job. When you look at someone like Tuchel and Poch, who are both without any management job at the moment, if, whether it's England or another high-profile national job opens up, do you think one of them would take it? Just say, we're just going to do it for the summer. Uh, just for the winter, sorry. Poch would take it, I think. Yeah, he'd would, it, wouldn't sure. yeah. He needs to take like something like that. And in a weird, in a weird way, I, I could kind of see that working with the England squad. 
I don't know why. Tuchel and would make probably more sense based on what we've done the last yeah, several years. Yeah, and to be fair, Saka at left, Saka at left centre. I was about to say, if we want free flowing attacking football, then get get Tommy <laughs> Tuchel in. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weird one because Poch, I think, plays a little bit more. He gets some of those players, you know, playing a bit more desirable football. He wouldn't have a single training session with them before an actual match. Yeah, that's not what you want. But I suppose it... Be great news to die. <laughs> I, yeah. I in the know. same way that Floyd now just goes around punching YouTubers up, <laughs> I hope that when Jose is ready to retire, he does just turn up for the international tournaments, just see which jobs are available at the time take over uh, <laughs> eight months. That would be great. And just see what he does. We'll really see how good your management is. Um, not that Jose needs to prove anything to us, but last question before we do move on. Are there any players that are currently uncapped that will make England's squad in November? Oh, no. And I'm saying this not knowing who is uncapped. I know he won't, he won't do yes, that. I don't Tony think. for... The next ninety minutes. Yeah, I'm assuming Tony's going to pick one up tonight. He's not a manager. He's not a manager that takes risks. But every man, he's not going to do a spend. Loves that risk. He's not going to do a spend on us. No, no, definitely not. Spend who still isn't really able to give us an explanation for why he picked Walcott, just that he did. Wenger <laughs> definitely had a word. Incredible from Sven. So I was never going to play him, but okay. I reckon behind the scenes, he was probably promised something to do with Arsenal when he hung things up. You're probably right. No, no, it's fair. Even if he wasn't promised, it was like, well, I, I know the right people that I should probably get on my good, get on their good side. Yeah, you're probably right. Maybe a brown envelope was fair. The, uh, the, the, yeah. the thing with, uh, unless it is a total disaster tonight, I don't think they, no one's going to panic. It's going to be. Hurricane stuck his hair up, which you know I feel about. <laughs> Do you know? Ironically, I think what it would take would be the players to come out and like sort of have a go as well. But that's just not none of them are going to do it. They're comfy on Yeah, as a general thing, I do always think I'm always baffled by the expectation with these international breaks, where the football we know it's always slow and turgid and boring, and there isn't really much on the line, so you can't you can't expect much. It, but it is just the slow decline this time, I think, is the concern. On the eve of the tournament, you'd think we have a bit more energy and we're not really doing that. But I, I'd always think the expectation that an international manager will be fired is ridiculous because there's not many opportunities to get fired. There's been four ways shown to lose the England job. You either go out early at a tournament, you fail to qualify for said tournament, you make some questionable remarks about disabled people, or you, or you take a bung on camera with a pint of wine in your hand. I don't think Southie is doing either of the latter two, so it's going to have to be one of the first two, and it's, he'll probably get qualified for any tournament he's the manager for. So it will have to be going out early at the tournament. He said he's aware that he's definitely his fate rests on how they do at the World Cup, mm. but in the same way that I said Arsenal wouldn't sack Arteta or he wouldn't have to finish in a certain position, um, I do feel the same that. Southgate would probably have to go out in the group stage, I think. Yeah, or a bad last 16. Yeah, I think oh, whoever yeah, you yeah. play there, you can say, well, look, they're a good side. 
essentially. No, I, I reckon. I, in all honesty, I don't even think it's a bad sixteen run. I think if he gets to the like the stage after that, I think it's just like maybe it's time to you know he's that's that's all he can do with I'm that sure. with that squad. I, I I don't. I think without a shadow of a doubt, the last two tournaments has bought his shot, regardless of what happens tonight and in the build up to the World Cup itself this year. I am surprised at your energy for his sacking, though, Luke. Bearing in mind, you've got experience in the field of just giving up on the idea that a manager will be sacked. I thought, uh, I got I to that stage of Southgate. I was like, they're never going to do this. No, so I'm not going to be going. He's got No, to be I don't think he is going to be sacked. But um, when I have to think about Ben White <laughs> sat there at home, <laughs> Paul ben, White. Probably, ben White's not watching, is he? He's told us that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never know. It might gas him. It's probably it might right gas for him. He's going to might, train him. Oh, was there a game on, was there? Yeah. He might, he's it probably, might gas him up. He, he he put a picture on an Instagram of him in some like plush car with a nice spread of sandwiches actually and his uh, new fiance. So he's probably he's probably texting Ramsdale saying what a fantastic time he's having. <laughs> um, but let's move on. So BT Sport tweeted this weekend sharing their ten players that they feel have been the biggest standouts in the league this season. Now, if we could go through them. And I'll ask you both at the end of each player whether they were correct to be in this list and then we'll try and make up the difference for whichever players we feel were wrongly included. Hmm. So the first man they had on their list was Erling Haaland. It's another minute silence here for this game. I don't know how many more we're going to be doing here. (laughs) I hope you had one at the start of the pod. Obviously, I wasn't on to manage this. Uh, we did because I forgot to press the intro music, so we had a short moment of silence. Fantastic. Um, Erling Haaland has 11 goals and one assist to start the season. Uh, is anyone saying he shouldn't be included and he isn't a standout in the league so far this season? <laughs> no. I'm moving swiftly on. <laughs> would really enjoy someone trying to. <laughs> no. well, second on the list, so the second most impressive this uh, player this season behind Erling Haaland is uh, the Brazilian centre forward at Arsenal Gabriel Jesus four goals and three assists so far this season but I don't think the numbers tell the true story um, Alex do you feel Gabriel Jesus deserves his place on this list and does he deserve this specific place on his list I should say uh, not this specific place but deserves to be on the list Who's been more impressive other than Harlan? Oh, is it ranked, by the way? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I would just thought it was yeah. a, a so it's 10. Going from the top, top working down. Um, um, I think it, it looked like few... it was ranked, just judging by the fact that Brendan Aronson's the last one, Hurt Harlan is the number one. So okay. Otherwise, well, I guess we'll see. I'd have thought maybe uh, De Bruyne might be higher up, but it's fair enough. Uh, so I put Mitrovic in front of him. Mm. I mean, that's, that's not the... Um, I mean, I, I, mean I, the, I we need to be careful here because we're going to. I could start listing going through the list before we've announced them. So, do you want to? Very professional, like, that. Yeah, that, do you that do? is that is. He doesn't. He hasn't harped me. Um, <laughs> I I think you trust the eye test with Gabriel Jesus, <laughs> and I think I think you're putting me in the conversation if you go through the best strikers in the league with Harland and Kane. And not Darwin. No, well, I've seen Liverpool fans uh, sharing clips of him getting shots on target this week. <laughs> if 
<laughs> straight after that one where he missed, they even just did one of a pass. I'm like, lads, what's going on? If Gabriel Jesus isn't going to score the same amount of goals as those two this season, and I do think it's unlikely, I also don't think either of those two can do what Gabriel Jesus does at Arsenal. And I think what makes you a standout in the league so far this season, for one, is I think, as we've done a couple of times, people knew he was good, but they perhaps didn't know he was this good. And I think that really is the difference maker there. I don't think, I guess Mitrovic is someone then that you would have in the same conversation of, we knew you were good, we didn't know you were this good. And Mm, we were questioning whether he was ever going to get a Premier League goal. But I think uh, regardless of where Fulham should have been this season, I think top of the league affords you certain privileges and uh, that's why Gabriel Jesus is second. Now Mitrovic is third. Go on, Alex. No, so I get the sentiment, but just dis- I just disagree. I think I I would I would have had him I would have had him at third, but I think Mitrovic is ahead of him at the moment. Well, Mitrovic is in third. He's got six goals so far this season. What is it? Two against Liverpool, one against Chelsea. So it's not like he's just been scoring against the the minnows of the league. Didn't he score against us? He did score against you as well. Yes, late on. I think he was including so, you in the minnows. I'm afraid. So. <laughs> No, I don't do any jinx in there until Saturday's over with. Best behaviour till Saturday, I see. Exactly, <laughs> which I may struggle with in a minute. But yeah, very impressive. And I think we came on here, I certainly came on here after the first game of the season and said it was a proper striker's performance to go uh, full 40-year-old man. But he is... I was going to say he's redefining the role. He isn't, is he? He's doing exactly what we look at from a striker. He's doing it at a very high level and he's taking his form from the championship across. So, yeah, very impressive. Yeah, as good as they've been, you think they could go from where they are now to straight in the relegation zone if they don't have him. When you, if you say you don't have him, sure. he's you know he's propping up this team. He's a threat every game, no matter what. And in a totally different way, the, you trust the eye test with him and it's a tough game. Even if he hasn't got on the stats, the goals or assist, you know he's probably given them hell and he's worked his socks off. So I, I don't think it's a, a terrible suggestion having him in a second. So are you not backing Vinicius to fill in if he's injured? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vinicius. yeah, yeah. That, uh, um, well, look, his goal against Marine does suggest I've been wrong. I'm not backing the man, but uh, I would need to see more of that, I think. The best thing um, Mitrovic has done this season is dunk on Tony after Tony tried doing his celebration not once but twice in the same game and then just slapped him up with a last-minute winner. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, did resist tweeting on the Friday night, by the way. Uh, nice kick about with the lads for Tony, but I'm above that and I wouldn't make that kind of joke. So... Uh... <laughs> You did say there's a statute of limitations on there, TK, for the Arsenal players. Not sure if that applies to me or not. Well, it, the other thing is, well, you know, it, it wouldn't look the most witty thing. And I know you obviously take great pride in your wit. Exactly. Um, maybe don't listen to News of the Week. <laughs> well, I made some jokes about Viagra. <laughs> um, so Kevin De Bruyne is next on this list. One goal, six assists. Surprised to see him this low down? Or is it because, is he a standout when we... This is what he does. Yeah, it's what he does, isn't it? It's 
it's the I don't know the man the Man City tax, I suppose, um, and I think Haaland just does steal the show a little bit. Uh, he has to be on this list. He's not doing anything that stand out for him. He's just delivering to the high standard that we know he can perform to before he gets injured in a few weeks. He's probably maybe like Kane and he's hired a uh, new personal physiotherapist, which definitely is not code for uh, on the juice. (laughs) (laughs) He just discovered he's asthmatic a few months ago. It's tragic. (laughs) Please understand. De Bruyne also probably is the main one who rises above the Man City tax where everyone, he's kind of been seen for a while as a consensus best player in the league, I think. If if you're not sure, he's your go-to answer. I thought it was interesting considering how we are with nostalgia that, that he was being compared to Gerard this week and the debate wasn't being completely shut down, which is what I expected. I think usually you can make a comparison to Lampard and people allow it, mainly because there aren't as many Chelsea fans around. Mm. You compare someone to Skulls and it's like shouting into an echo chamber before you are flooded out. Uh, Gerard is is similar in that sense that it's usually not allowed. And I thought the sheer fact that the debate was being entertained showed me a lot as to how well, De Bruyne is being considered. One, it absolutely should be entertained. Um, nostalgia shouldn't allow us to cloud that. Two, um, they've probably done it, I think, Gerard is the one that's going to get the most hits, the most sort of controversy if you compare him to. But I am always, I'm always amazed that when we're trying to define who the best midfielder ever is, Gerard is the go-to example for the Premier. It's weird. I was told he wasn't anywhere near the top midfielder, but he always seems to be the example that's used for the best. I'll be honest, weird. It, buff, it baffles me as well. As a yeah, as a genuine thing, um, De Bruyne absolutely, obviously belongs in the conversation. When he's done, we might be asking. Why we were debating it, but if you know if he carries on the same trajectory, he'll have all the trophies. He'll have stupid numbers. I think it's such a. I saw someone say he's so good, no one even references the fact he's ginger. I thought that was pretty incredible. (laughs) I think I'm really furious that the next generation might be being called Kev or De Bruyne on this playground. I'm not (laughs) Scalzi. Really furious. Do you not think with, with midfield? It's such a tough one to actually say who the best is because. The role, even more so over time, has been just separated in that yeah. we do talk about the best defensive midfielder. And it's kind of like there was a time around uh, the late early, uh, late 2000s, early 2010s, where I thought we may be having debates at this time as to who the best false nine is. That was the way things were trending. Yeah. And you certainly wouldn't have looked at, say, you wouldn't have looked at Mario Goetze for Germany in 2010, 2014, whatever tournament we're talking about. Yeah, and said, look, it's one of the best striking performances of no. whatever period. But then you may look down the line and go, well, false nine performances, and we, we don't really do that. We maybe talk about defensive midfielders, but it does feel a bit strange when players play in such different ways Yeah, you'd... that we do have these. Like, how, how, do you, how do you compare? It's even more difficult when you have like a Swiss army knife like Vieira, and I'm not just using him as an example. You can say Yaya, whatever. That's so strange that how you discuss those players then in the mix. As much as I'm sort of saying it, saying in cheek about Gerard being the best midfielder, is that he's probably his example because he is, I think, seen as the most all rounder. Whereas I think people are unfairly or unfairly are characterized as 
holding midfielders or attacking midfielders. And because he obviously has a bit of bit of both to his game, I think he ends up being thrust forward as, as the example you use. And obviously De Bruyne has an all-round game as well, but he's got a lot more license to kind of do what he wants and be creative than Gerard Orlando or most of the other ones had actually just because how good this City team and how they play. But people would actually put skulls in like the defensive midfielder camp when the guy can't tackle. Yeah, it's, um, it's because of his the second half of his career was obviously that, that deep lying role, but that does ignore that the bulk of his career was further upfield, sometimes players are 10. Yeah. Um, the one who I actually think is the most egregious inclusion on the list, and it's um, Dejan Kulishevsky. How are we including him on this list who's been benched for half the season? It's a tricky mm. one. So I, I do agree with this. I think he makes the list, but he's position 10 on the list. Um, I think he is... It's, he comes in with that... He's still coming in with that token of... like people. A lot of people talked his, the signing down and he was the one who offered us the most creativity. The first few games that he played for us this season... Uh, just the clinical passing that he made, his positioning, his vision was absolutely superb, um, and he's been dropped. So it's it's not any it's not it's not a testament to his performances. On no, the it's not slight on his ability for me either. It's, it's just it's just it, it's, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. It's just he has been dropped. I, that that's why I'm putting him in position ten. I think he was ultimately. You know, I was I thinking. I, mean, I, well, I was thinking. I saw the list. And I was thinking. All right, spoiler, spoiler. There's no other Spurs players on these on this list apart from him. And I was thinking, my first instinct was as a far more Chesky, obvious could, contender. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the, my first instinct was, could a Chesky's on the list and nobody else is? That makes no sense. That was my first instinct. And I thought about it, and I was thinking, well, in all honesty, I'm. I mean, I'm. You know, Kane's doing what he does, and you know, on paper, stats wise, you say, well, he's he should be on the list. I don't know whether it's you know, the guys who came up with this list that we're using from BT is, all right, we've already got a few strikers on there. We don't want to put another one on there. Just for variety, we're going to stick, you know, some midfielders and defenders on there. don't know if it was a bit of that going in there. But, I, you know, it's, it's a weird one. I wouldn't put any other Spurs player on that list. I don't think there's anybody that's been Christ. really stand out apart from Kulicheski for the first few games that he played this season. Which Kane I, has six goals and one assist. That's, no, I know. Now that is fatigue, I, I isn't it? We're just bored of how good someone is. But then if we're, put, yeah, if we're I know, putting De Bruyne should, on the list. Right, sorry, I, yeah, I explained it very well. He should, he, Kane, Kane should be on the list. He, Kane should definitely be on the list. But it's it's kind of the way we talked about De Bruyne a few moments ago where we were sort of saying he's performing to his standard. You take him for granted, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what it's about. I, I just it, Looking at this list, you're trying to, you naturally sway towards, you know, spreading the spreading it over all the different positions on the pitch. And I know it's a, Kane just losing out. I know it's a radical idea, but it didn't have to be a second Spurs one in the list, AJ. We could have just swapped Kulishevsky out with Kane. And it didn't, we didn't have to cram yeah. it with Spurs. It's okay. Yeah, I don't think yeah, Kulishevsky no, should think. be on the list at all. And I think if we are going to be replacing a certain amount on this list, then I think Kulishevsky should be axed. He has started the season well, though. And if you just want to talk, is sometimes game, he impacts he, games sometimes. It doesn't always come across on the stat sheet either but. he's that kind of player who could play in the north he could play in the derby at the weekend and if he has a good game you should you put him you put him easily higher you put him comfortably at like position five or six on the list mm. five oh, jesus um after that you have william saliba 
two goals, one assist, three clean sheets. Van Dyke, come get your aura back is the shout I've seen <laughs> on Twitter. You better hope he has a good derby, Chris. Yeah, well, I saw uh, one of them fail comps last night because he was subbed off for uh, France at halftime. <laughs> so, right. it, like, if that's as bad as this guy gets, then... It was incredible yeah. as well because uh, United fans are going, I thought, uh, thought he was better than Varane and how France win with Varane yeah, but not with him. This Fantastic whole Varane stuff. thing, by the way, Varane shouldn't be beefing with Saliba. Varane should be beefing with Van Dijk if we're talking about the level this guy should be on if we're looking at his age. Don't worry about Saliba. This guy will have you place in the France team in no time. Pick on people your own size, I think, would be my uh, my answer there. And so it certainly wouldn't be uh, Lisandro Martinez. <laughs> the, uh, um, the Arsenal United beef is, is just fantastic. It's fantastic. Saliba, most impressive defender in the league so far this season, touch wood. The last but time you said in, in, that, it was uh, Gabriel. And, and what's, uh, so what's, what's the point? And we now? all know how that we well we all know how that went after you said that. Last time he was this excited about a sign him was a certain Lucas Torreira. <laughs> compared him to Kante, I Kante. Yeah. He said he said he said moments ago he was on his best behavior before. <laughs> you can just you can just feel it just sneaking out of him. He can't help but look, look at look at Torreira's North London derby. He was worth the money. <laughs> One of the best days of my life that was Christ. Um Saliba, I think part of it is we weren't sure if the guy was going to start the season. He probably wouldn't have if Tommy Asu didn't get injured a week or so before the season began. He then comes in and yeah, you could have played bad boys for life as he stepped (laughs) onto the field. It was that kind of moment. And then he's not looked back. Um, He's had his, he's had a few moments. I don't think the game against United was his best game, but as I just said then, if these games that he's being vilified for by some fan bases are his worst games, look, we're we're on for a winner. I wish maybe the the Rio comparisons would stop at this stage, because being better than Rio at twenty one doesn't mean you're gonna be better than Rio at twenty eight, twenty nine. But look, that's what football's all about. So uh, we'll jump on board. I don't think anyone can argue with Saliba, and I mean, if Kulishevsky was staying on this list, I'd have him below Saliba but uh, I don't think anyone can complain about his inclusion I think he's benefiting slightly from uh, the opposite of what we just talked about where I think as you said we weren't sure if he was going to play we know he's a young player so it might take some time and therefore any success he does have seems even greater but at the same time you are probably right I, I don't think there's been a defender that I could say confidently has been better than him this season he, yeah, he's, in, he's in an unfortunate position though, where defenders of yesteryear didn't make any mistakes. So if he makes one yeah. mistake, that's he's not as good as them by de- definition. That's it. He's done. Yeah, but I mean, tough times we live in. If people are going to complain about the uh, Maguire take earlier, if you offered me prime Van Dyke and you offered me prime Vidic, <laughs> I'd take Van Dyke. Actually, if we were going to go all out here. I'm not sure we've seen a defender's peak in the Premier League that was higher than Van Dijk's, but no. maybe that's a conversation for another day. I, I, I don't think we have, but that's uh, I'd agree with that's that. That's a an insensible admission, and we're not we're not getting sensible admissions from many football fans. So. Well, Alex will move on on that tone because uh, Gabriel Martinelli is the next inclusion on this list. 
Three goals so far this season. Again, I will say, does more than meets the eye. Are you to say he doesn't deserve his place on this list? Um, no, I don't think he get, No, he doesn't get in for me. Just outside. Okay, if you flip your camera on, <laughs> see if there's any crack in your room that you've been uh, I can smoking. Confirm, I can confirm there isn't. I think you're getting. I think this is a uh, overexcited uh, Arsenal fan that's done this list. I think it was. I think a couple of these would be higher, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I um, he's had a better season than he has previously. Um, he has had a few good performances. I can't confess to have watched every single Arsenal game. Uh- but I don't think this is the, my this is my first time that I've seen him being spoken about in with, with amongst these players that we've seen on this list so far. Klopp called him the talent of the century. Oh God, God, how long is he? How, that that is a good. Talking like, about like that before. It's a good like, why why has nobody ever come in for him? Any anybody big ever come in for him? Couldn't now? afford him. Yeah, yeah. So I, who I don't can afford him? He's had a, he's had a good he's had a good he'd make the top twenty, but he, he doesn't make the top ten. No one's come in for, because no one could afford him. And Klopp has tried flirting with him and Saka. Yeah, he's twerk for never, him. never trying. Well, because he knows those Liverpool owners, uh, <laughs> they they've got enough money to buy Bellingham, and that's all. This, that's all they need to be focusing on. Yeah, they might they might not have. Done. The article in the week was. Oh, I didn't realise it was going to cost that much. What did you think it was going to cost, lads? <laughs> Do you think it was going to be cheap? Um, Christian Eriksen is the next one on this list. One assist, which happened to be against Arsenal. Zero <laughs> goals. Um, obviously, more to midfielders game than just the uh, GA numbers. But would you have had Christian Eriksen on this list? Again, I, I'm not sure I would have. And I feel bad for saying that. And I don't know whether it's just a bit of the puff piece around him at the moment. But... I just, I don't know. I think we're out of the uh, the cardiac arrest window, aren't we? I think we're out of his sympathy window. He's had his time. We're past it now. He's, a, he's very much, that. he's alive. He's at a no bastard quarter. club. Queen stole his thunder. Are we giving no quarter to him then? We go, we considering that, that, that well, defensive shield he had around him gone. I think it's just... Yeah, the, yeah he's had his leeway. He's been the best of a bad bunch and uh, disregarding one performance. I do think he's well, been... Fairly pivotal to some of the the better games that United have had now. I think they've got more controlling games and I think he's a a decent part of that. A lot of journalists are essentially trying to tell us that these Brighton and Brentford games didn't happen. We're seven games in. Like two games is a pretty significant proportion. I know know it was a few years ago now. (laughs) I know it was a few years ago and a lot's happened since. But, you know, performance-wise on the pitch, I don't think he's performed... Better in the United shirt than he did at any point in. Sports. Oh, here we go. This is this is AJ's beef. Okay, it's all clear now. <laughs> He's not no, gone over not. it. All right. I no, see. but no. From from the United games that I've seen, I haven't looked at him and gone, "Oh my god, why didn't we sign him?" Why I feel like he takes more responsibility back? now in the United shirt. Yeah, he does have that. Like he does have that. I know they're paying big wages for him, but I mean, he does have that. He didn't have to pay. It was like a smart sign-in for not a lot of upfront money. Yeah. Pacemaker handicap. To be fair, 
I think Spurs should have gone in for him when you look at their midfield. But no, I, I, I don't. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But I'm not. I'm not looking. Still, I, don't, I still don't find myself looking at him and going, "Oh my God, he is the reason why this seat." Like, oh, well, actually, I'm, I'm going to regret my words now because he could be exactly why we don't <laughs> don't get over the line with anything this season. He could be exactly what we're missing. Or Conte leaving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Alex Awobi is in ninth place on this list. Now, obviously, there's a bit more to it when you're at a club of this stature. They have just won one game. I mean, if ever there was a case of expectations are low, so anything you do, he is playing like, well. Yeah, but and because we all thought he was garbage. <laughs> no, I mean, I remember when he was at Arsenal, there was quite a thing, and maybe you would ask why so many managers didn't do it then. But there was always the thing around him where people would say this guy needs to be played centrally because for Nigeria he was being played in that position. I guess the issue is that he wasn't good enough to do it for Arsenal and he didn't have the right people around him to do it for Everton. And so he has had an impressive start to the season. I'm not sure he's been one of the 10 best players in the league. But he is certainly showing a lot. Has he been Everton's best player? I, think I he, can't think of anyone better. I think I Gordon's got an argument. Yeah. His contract expires in two years' time. Uh, it might even be next end of next season. And I've seen people starting to say that he could play for a big team. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've seen Arsenal fans saying, you get him back and he can, be, oh, he can God. Uh, rotate with Xhaka. I'm not that guy. Um, but I think, yeah, if, if we're talking standout, it is probably what you're saying, that he's delivering above expectation. Everton would be buzzing with that. So we've watched him be shit and he gets some small run of form and you can link him with big clubs. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, the last one on the list was Brendan Aronson. Hmm. one goal one assist so far this season do you think this list was done maybe a few games ago and it hasn't been updated I thought I thought this was a bit of an odd pick because it was a fast start to the season wasn't it and then it's been quieter but then how how do you get louder than scoring against Chelsea and what he had it in the net, but it was attributed, I think, an own goal on the opening day. Yeah, I mean, I know this guy got injured, but if you were going to have at least pair in there, I think until he did get injured, I thought Rodrigo was looking like their best player. For sure. Um, I thought he was looking a real threat. And 12 months earlier, I thought when they'd signed him, I thought he could be a really good player. And he showed bits, but wasn't exactly, definitely wasn't prolific in front of goal and was inconsistent. And now he looked like he had sort of. Uh, found his feet and obviously he's picked up an injury. So if you were going to, I would I would have had him in over Aronson. Um, and I think there are a few players that have probably been a little bit better than him anyway that should be in there. If I, if I was axing names on this list, Kulashevsky gets chopped, Eriksson gets chopped, Iwobi gets chopped, Dan Aronson gets chopped. Hmm. Sterling's just missed the exact chance that I guess we've all just said he would. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of notable absentees, Harry Kane, I think, is the standout mm. one. It's hard to see how he isn't on this list. I'm not sure you're going to get another name in there, but I think Granit Xhaka has been just as impressive, if not oh. more impressive than several of the ones here. Oh, my God. It'd be Zerobi, for sure. I, I don't know what your... Oh, God, in here, Alex. <laughs> 
he you were comparing the guy to Hoiberg last season. He does it. Hoiberg was better last season oh, than the season. Hoiberg's not started this season, but to be fair, he has. No, he's, he's, he's not been Shaka. No, but he's uh, does his job. I also think um, there's some United fans again that we're supposed to forget this guy got dunked on by Ben Mee and they're telling me Danny DeVito Martinez should be included <laughs> in this lineup. I mean, I'm seeing the clips butcher. of him just pushing a Honduras defender in the back and telling me this is what we've needed for so the long. The butcher. The butcher of Amsterdam. Um, Bernardo Silva. Does he not make anybody's top 10? No. He's, again, he is probably the case in point of you don't get credit because you're a city player because he, he would be the standout for yeah. almost any other team. But, you yeah, know, with the boy and dad doing his thing, it's difficult for him. I think if you were looking at other defenders, then you would look at um, Armar Belakotchap at Southampton. Mm. Just got his first call up for Germany and certainly has been a standout performer so far this season. I'm surprised none of the Brighton players have been spoken about. Pascal Gross I had on my list. Three goals, two assists so far this season. And you could probably look at him, Trossard, McAllister. I was going to say, I think McAllister, McAllister, I think you have to make a case for. I think not just the goals, I think he has looked a proper player in that time. And let's face it, Casido as well. I think he's been, he's lived up to his billing. Yeah. I think there's no coincidence that they find themselves on the end of the table. I think probably got to have one of their players I mean, I'd probably well take Tony things. over several of these as well. Yeah, I was about to say Tony. I think has to be in there. I think if if I had to do a straight swap with, if I'm taking, I've already basically accepted. I'll take out Iwobi and Aronson. If I was then looking at someone else, I'd probably take Tony over Kuliszewski and how they started the season. It's close. Yeah, Kuliszewski has two start, assists. Kuliszewski has started well as well, but uh, I think Tony, even in the games he hasn't scored in, has just he's just a nightmare. Yeah, he's level on goal contributions with Kane at Brentford. We seem to sometimes mark players down if like that was a hat trick, but at the end of the season, we're still if a player has twenty five goals, we aren't going to go. He scored three of them in one game. So. <laughs> well, in that case, then you mean Son makes yep, the list? That's it. He's back in. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> on, uh, it was all, he was always going to find his purple patch just before the North London derby. <laughs> just how these things work. Yeah. Oh, if I was going to take out four, then it would be Kane, Xhaka, Tony, Gross, or McAllister, whichever one you want to, whichever one you want to put in there. Gross has been good on it. To be fair, I'm just starting to think. Yeah, yeah, I'll take any one of those Brighton players in there. To be honest, they're just a solid team, aren't they? See how they go now that they've lost, lost their manager. Yeah. 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 And then they lost their several of their best players over the summer and they uh, adapted and overcame. So there we go. And they've got a decent manager in by the look of it. So Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. then cost me a tenner by picking him, but <laughs> there we go. Um we'll move on just to cover our last topic unless anyone else anything else to add. Sure. Okay, let's move on. Joe Joyce took his lumps on Saturday night and announced himself as a real contender in the heavyweight division as he stopped Joseph Parker in the 11th round. TK, I don't know if we were necessarily confidently picking Joseph Parker going into this fight. 
but we were certainly having it down as being closer than what it was. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I thought it was a 50-50 going in and with the odds being pretty generous for Parker, not really reflecting a 50-50 fight, certainly I thought it probably could be a distance fight. And I thought those odds on Parker decision were tasty and I was swayed by that. I thought he had a bit more variety to him than Joyce maybe does and I thought that would probably tell. But as it was, like you said, I... A few people said they thought it was like close on the score. I I didn't feel that at any point in watching it myself. No, no because a big thing of what we say is 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 damage mm-hmm. being one of the main contributors to how you score. And it's not like Parker was outlanding him. And so if you're catching him with shots that he's not even to undersell it, just walking through, it's hard to score those over the endless volume and the fact that he seems to be doing more damage with his punches as well because if we were questioning his power maybe before just because he's able to land so many shots and not put you away, I mean, he, he sealed it very nicely in this one. And it wasn't even the biggest shot. It was probably as much an accumulation. And tiredness, yeah. But very impressive. For him to put a pace on someone like Parker... I thought it was really impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you were right with that. He just, because he looks so slow, whatever, you don't think the shots are that hard, but he looks like someone who every shot has something on it. Some of those ones with the body shots, I thought there were a couple of times where Parker was doubled over, where I thought he was going to do that thing where, especially because he looked fucked after round two, just knackered and obviously was already looking battered. I thought he's going to do that thing where they double over, take a knee. So I look over to the corner and shake your head and go, yeah, no, no more for me, thank you. Yeah, and the fact yeah. that he didn't, I mean, fair play to it because I kind of wonder what Park is in the game for at this point. And so the fact that he's stuck in there with Joyce sticking it on him is uh, is good going. Yeah, in terms of building a prospect, I think um, when they're building Fraser Clark, they could probably look at what mm, they've done here yeah. and follow a similar blueprint. And we'll get onto Joyce's personality <laughs> in a second, but... Clark certainly talks a better game than Joyce does. And so in theory, he should be easier to match. Ian Lewison for his debut, couldn't complain about that. It was the main event straight in. Lemroy Thomas in the fourth one, just to say he did a better job than <laughs> Dave Allen. And then you get to his eighth fight and it's for Mainstaverne. And then you've got Alexander Ustinov, who's just been around for God knows how long. Uh, Bryant Jennings. Daniel Dubois, Carlos Takam, Christian Hammer, Joseph Parker. We could certainly question those at the time and whether they were main event fights that you should be expecting us to pay to see. But in terms of getting Joyce into the position for where he can challenge your Usics and your Furies and your Joshuas and your Wilders, he's faced a variety of styles and the level has just gradually increased. So he's well set and I think Frank and whoever else is involved here probably deserves a, a lot of praise. David Hay in the early days, wasn't it? Which is pretty mad to think. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Cause there was a period, wasn't there? Where you thought, well, this guy isn't young. So time is of the essence here. You think, what are you doing? But they've been sort of, it's been a nice steady build. And now he does look ready to give everybody a fight at the very least. I think some of the stuff, in reaction to how good he was really good this week this weekend but I think some of it has been a bit hyperbolic but at the same time he will give everybody at least a tough night's work if nothing else 
Well, essentially, any half-decent boxer now, the majority pick them to be AJ, <laughs> yeah. which is disrespectful, but we've spoken about that before. Um, Usyk, I think people are still saying, if you're bigger than him and you're not AJ, then you've got a good shot against him. Wilder, I've spoken on this podcast for about three years as to the disrespect this man mm. faces as the most exciting heavyweight of our generation. And for people to say that Joyce is just going to walk through him, some I don't know how many times Wilder has to punch the lights <laughs> out of someone for people to say, you know what, you probably shouldn't write this guy out of a fight because outside of Usyk, you're not going to see Fury have a tougher night than he did in the third fight against Wilder or the first fight against Wilder. Yep. So I, I don't know. I do think if I was to confidently pick any of the fights, I think his style is pretty horrible to match up against Fury with. Just because like my stream was lagging at times and I had to wait a second before I was sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was full pace the whole time. I think your stream was absolutely crisp internet. There's no problems. <laughs> it's just that's the way you go. Yeah, the issue with Fury obviously it's going to be very difficult to physically bully him. We haven't seen him get gassed out and have a pace put on him. It'd be interesting to see if Joyce could have any success doing that, but it would be hard to imagine compared to the other guys where you can you can make a case for how he does it. Yeah, because Joyce's footwork isn't it isn't bad, and it's a lot. It's not as plodding as it perhaps looks. But I do think you're just going to have to have a faster. I guess just a faster movement to be able to trap Fury in the position to really wear on him in the way that Joyce does. He's not going to, he didn't have to look for Parker at all. The only time he did was after he'd hurt him and he's done having to close in on him. Yeah, I think we can question the conditioning of Parker as well because that, that extra weight he had on didn't seem beneficial. It seemed like they had done this He's gradually got bigger and bigger anyway because he was always a slightly smaller heavyweight, but now he's got gradually bigger and bigger. And obviously working with Andy Lee, whether they thought they'll go down the similar route with Fury, where they thought we'll add a bit more size to him and he can combine his sort of... He had good combinations and decent speed for a heavyweight Parker. So if you can add some force behind it, a bit more strength, I think the logic was being that he'll be he'll be better served. But... Funny, he did look really exhausted very early in it. And it, Joyce cranked up the pressure and put more of a pace on him. But I don't think you should be as mad as he was after like two rounds. And so I think that probably looked like a mistake quite early on. And as a result, if you're tired with Joyce, I mean, that's just hell. That's just a horrible place to be. And he is also better, as you said, not just that he's got a great chin and, a, and an engine. His skills are better than you think. He's got a nice jab. It's not the best jab in the sport, like Sam Jones said, but it's pretty good still. Um, and he, as much he ate some good shots against Parker, I think I've seen him eat more shots in other fights. I thought he rode a yeah. lot of shots well in this, and it shows that he didn't really have a mark on him, really, did he? No. It, did Parker look bad enough that if in six months' time, he was booked as the first real comeback fight for Deontay Wilder. Hmm. How would you feel if that fight was booked? 
I think that would make some level of sense. Um, and people will get behind it because, as you've said, people underrate Wilder constantly. So they'd just go, well, Park will outbox him, but he might, Wilder might knock him out. Um, it depends. I, I don't really know why Park would stick around now. I think he's probably done. He can't have another run at a belt. And I don't think he wants to be a contender and just be the. I actually think he really, would. Really, I'm. I don't think he will. I think he might knock it on the head or have a a fight that he's half committed to, not a good, and then throw it in. I think he's probably about done. That's just, we see a lot, and maybe a lot more in the UFC when they're they're a lot worse paid. You see a lot of these um, Aussie and New Zealand fighters that do the, you know, I'm just up for a scrap and I'll keep doing it whether I win or whether I lose. And I think there's just enough contenders out there. And I think there's enough people that are going to be looking for a fight. I'm sure Lewis Ortiz isn't going to hang him up and he's going to be looking for Amber someone else. I'm sure Andy Ruiz would happily say that he'd, he'd want the rematch. I'm sure there's just enough out there to, if they to be honest for them to already for, I would say he's probably perfect for what AJ's looking for now. Where you go, he's yeah. not a huge puncher. He's going to be terrified for Joshua. He's not going to box rings around you. And he's a recognisable name. If you're looking to get your confidence back up, he, without being just a gimme, he would be a good fight for Joshua. But as it is, we've already seen that and it wasn't the most exciting. So I don't think they will do that. Do you also not look at the fact that Manuel Char is probably going to face Tyson Fury next and say, why would I not just stick around? There's plenty more money out here for me. Yeah, potentially, potentially, but it's it's just that. What is he in it for? I think he is in it. He was in it for another run of the belt. I don't think he can do that. He can't. You can't feasibly make a case for him against any of the top guys now. Could you tempt Frank into paying him an awful lot of money to face Daniel Dubois? Yeah, and that could be the fight that I've just referenced there, where he thinks he's committed. He's half committed in reality. And after it, he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm done here. That could be that sort of fight where he's the fodder. For I, I, I really don't think, I, I hear what you're saying about the Aussie and Kiwi guys in, in the UFC and it, there is some truth to that. But I think he's slightly different. I was, I'm always amazed by the fine spirit he does showing actually because he seems like a fairly chilled, level-headed guy who yeah. seems fairly intelligent as well in terms of probably doesn't need to do this. Um, so I'm always surprised that how game he is when he gets in there. I do think though he'll, if he doesn't walk away immediately, it's, it's not going to be long. I think there's such a lack of that kind of in-between heavyweight. And I think we spoke about this last week that I do think he'll, I think at least two more, I'll say. Yeah, fair. And maybe the worst thing for him would be if he won one of those. Yeah, yeah, probably true. So say you beat one of those in-between guys and then the promoters say, well, this is brilliant because I can sell that you actually beat Daniel Dubois and now my next so guy... So now you can in. have Wilder. Go on, have a bit of this. Yeah. Maybe. There's also not so many sure things. Like, I guess Wilder's a sure thing, but at the same time, that's a big risk. And Parker is a kind of a perfect combination that he doesn't overwhelm you with volume too much. He isn't usually seen as a guy that's going to wipe you out with one yep. punch. And he doesn't put a pace on you that you're not going to be able to deal with. And so 
for your Dubois, for your Fraser Clarks, for a lot of these guys, he's probably perfect in terms of seeing where your fighter is. And I think there's going to be enough of those coming through. The yeah, don't just rehash yeah. the same. If he point. wanted to, he could be, I think, the perfect gatekeeper for a division where, as you said, there's no rule in between and he could be the in-between guy. Can he have that Chisora arc? Yeah, see, I, I, I just don't think he'll do that. I don't think he will. Is he? Is he? I actually don't think Shazor is that exciting. I was going to say, is he, is he exciting enough? Um, but he probably doesn't do enough of the Chisora like things. The antics have that. basically kept Chisora going yeah. for this whole time. He should have necked Joyce at the way in, and that would have sold. Launch a table at someone. Yeah. How? And I don't need you to do, go through each one because I'm sure we're going to get some of them, but. How far do you think Joyce can go? Can he win a belt? Yeah, so I I still would pick Usyk to beat him, but I can see why people think he could be a threat. I do think that WSB fight obviously shows probably how the format of the fight would go, but over 12 rounds under professional rules, I think Joyce could have a little bit more success. But I would still pick Usyk ultimately. I think that sort of style, he knows what to do with it. Um, and I wouldn't pick him to beat Fury either, as touched on earlier. So I don't think he'll beat the Bells as they're currently constructed. He can probably hang around enough that they become fragmented and he can beat almost everyone else. I think he would, obviously him and Wilder really is just unstoppable force and a movable object, <laughs> isn't it? Um, so as much as potentially people are looking at it a slightly different way because of how good he was this weekend. I think people are saying how hard a night's work he's going to be for everyone. I would acknowledge that whilst also acknowledging that all these people have the capacity to beat him. Fury for the reasons stated, Usyk for the reasons stated, Wilder because if he, whatever he hits, he tends to knock out Joshua that who's just being dismissed. But supposedly if you listen to it, had his way with him in sparring and they obviously used to spar all the time. As, would AJ take that fight? I think he may be very, very fortunate that Eddie won't work with Frank on that one. Because at this point, I think that is hell for Joshua. Because if he is a bit gun-shy now and a bit unsure of himself, that's the last thing you want. Exactly. If you don't trust your gas tank and you don't want to let the hands go, then Joyce is obviously an absolute hellacious night for you. But if he can get a bit of confidence back, I would then go back to saying I think Joshua can still get the job done against him. But most people, I think, like think they'd be in like a ten percent minority on that now. People would be overwhelmingly thinking Joshua would beat him. Which fight are we more likely to see by the end of next year? Joshua Wilder, Joshua Joyce, or Joshua Dubois? Blimey. Dubois is a bit of a curveball for me. I'm essentially, if we're saying that Joshua needs some kind of name that he feels confident enough to beat. I mean... (laughs) And it's how how likely it is Wilder to win. Yeah, the problem you've placed with here is that by the nature of what we're doing here, I'm supposed to pick one, aren't I? And I don't envisage a way in which any of them would happen. Um, did did you include because you said 
Joshua Wilder, Joshua Dubois, did you include and Joshua Joyce? Joshua so Joyce. you're not even putting yeah. Joshua Fury in the equation. Um, that one just feels like it actually may. Yeah. Happen so point, yeah. But... So I I do think because that will just be if they ever do end up working together, it'll be why well, there's just so much money on the table here that we'll figure out our differences another time. Whereas, I mean, there's still, still big paydays, but Joshua Joyce, Joshua Dubois doesn't come close to that, right? And I think in a weird way, Hearn's got even less chance of working with PBC and getting the Wilder fight because there seems to be just no communication there full stop. They seem to really fully hate him. So if I had to pick one of those, probably Joshua Joyce because you have some level of history there with them. And if I had, again, I think Hearn would rather do that than, say, let Joshua get pinged by Dubois and then Frank has a new young king who he can dominate with for a long time. I think Eddie would hate that. There is something in, and we're never going to hear the truth about these sparring stories, but if it has gone the way Joshua says, there really could be something in, no, make that, because I can really prove a point here with this guy. And it, I guess it just depends how confident he still That's is. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll see how much he still believes in himself because, yeah, cause by by all accounts, yeah, Joshua used to just deal with Joyce and Spartan. So, that, and then that can be give you a false confidence as well, can't it? Because sure. how many yeah. times have we seen it where they fancy themselves because they used to spar and then turns out you've been declining whilst he's been getting better and you didn't realise if uh, I had to place my early bet now, I think you see uh, Joshua Chisora in December, by the way. Do you Chisora, I mean, obviously enough money he would do it, but they, they do seem friendly. I think AJ is pretty single-minded in what he wants. And I think Chisora, I think that's a convenient friendship for Chisora. And as we've seen before, there's very little he won't do for a mm. bit of cash. So... He's, he seemed friendly with Fury. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just a slightly different dynamic, isn't it? I know because both from Finchley ABC, I think. I think there is just a little bit of a big brother, little brother thing going on there that I, I do think, unless there was stupid money on the line, I don't know that they would do it. Well, they may even try and give it that build-up of, you know, it's respect at the end of the day. We're two guys, we're trying to get away. They would call it... Um, Idols become rivals or something as well, wouldn't they? Oh. <laughs> I, I think they'll do, assuming we don't get the Fury fight, which you don't, um, I do think we'll end up with like a... a um, who's I, who's I going to say for... Um, who did Dubois, who did Dubois beat for that uh, the regular belt? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor Bryant. Um, yeah, I yeah. think I think we might see that. Alive. And Erna go, well, look, he was a world champion only a few months ago. Uh, I think there's a real consciousness as to just how the public are turning on him. And I think that, I guess you say, I guess you could say that. He, he'll use it. Is is Lewis Ortiz going to be any more like, yeah. I, yeah, I I, he'll use Fury fighting Char. If that does happen as a, well, look, he's better than Manuel Char. And this guy's supposed to be your world champion. Yeah, He's fair. supposed to be your boy, which I I think is one of the points her makes that is entirely valid. That the passes Fury has got for some of his opponents, Joshua yeah, yeah. just just couldn't have done some of that. Yep. 
well, I think that just about does us for today. So thank you to everyone for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. If you tune into Movie Madness this week, we have Prisoners versus Lethal Weapon. See you there. Adios.